welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church Lagos. We hope this sermon answers the doubts or questions that you have about the Gospel, its relevance to your life, and the ever-evolving culture around us. Our vision is to see the City of Lagos and beyond renewed by the Gospel, and to make that happen, we need your support. You can do this by rating this podcast, following us, and giving through the Give tab on our website, citychurchlagos.com. Thank you for your generosity. We pray this sermon impacts you positively with the gospel. Today's Bible reading is from Mark 1, 21 to 34. When I'm done, I will say this is the word of the Lord. Please respond by saying thanks be to God. Please smile to your neighbor. Okay, great. From verse 21, they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, After sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. This is the word of the Lord. You see, there are four things that God wants to show us this morning about healing in this text. Four things. Four things. The first, yes, is what the title of the sermon is. The first is that healing is a normal thing for the Son of God. Healing is a normal thing for the Son of God. You see, there were 41 unique healings of Jesus recorded in scriptures. And when I say unique, I mean specific accounts, like the one we read in this text, specific accounts. Oh, like the impure spirit being cast out of this man. Oh, like Peter's mother-in-law that was lifted up by Jesus and she found healing immediately. Specific like that. You see, but in verse 34, we should read again. It says that Jesus healed many. Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. Many diseases. Many demons. We see many
You see, this, these many are not even part of the specific healings that Jesus brings. They're not part of these 41 recorded healings. You see, and if you read through the Gospels, this is not the only time in scriptures where Jesus just did many diseases, where Jesus just cast out many spirits. This is not the first time. You see, that's why John, John 21, 25 even tells us that, see, he said, if books were to be written about all that Jesus did, he said, the word cannot contain all that he did. So in scriptures, we don't even have the full account of every healing or every casting out of demon that Jesus did. In fact, if you break down the ministry of Jesus in terms of how he spends his time, you'll find the big three. See, number one will be the time that Jesus spent with his disciples. Number two will be healing and casting out demons. Number three will be teaching and preaching. So Jesus, discipleship, then healing, then teaching. That's how he spends his time. You see, so the first thing we see is many healings. Jesus heals plenty. Jesus heals a lot. Jesus, they heal. So, but the second thing is various healings. Various healings. Look at that verse 34 again. It says, Jesus healed many who had various diseases. You see, while many refers to the quantity of healings, various refers to the kinds of healings. Oh, Jesus heals a lot and Jesus heals all kinds. Our diseases are many, but his healing power is more. Our sicknesses vary but his healing range is vast. You see, of the 41 unique healings of Jesus, 33 of them were chronic conditions. Oh, like the man born blind from birth in John chapter 9. Oh, or like the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. And so some of you, when the text was written, oh, Jesus just healed this fever. Or just come on fever. And... No. But Jesus healed, you see, conditions that doctors have given up on. Conditions that they've given you medical prescription and say, Oh, these are the number of months that you have left. Oh, just go and put your house together. Jesus heals such. And he also heals those irritating symptoms, headaches, back pain, all of those that you don't consider as grievous. Jesus heals fever and fibroids. Jesus heals blindness and boils. Oh, all these from AIDS to back pain. From cancer to deafness, from eczema to fractures, Jesus heals. You see, all these kind of healings we may call healing of the body. Oh, you see, in the, in the first sermon in this series, when, he, when Emmanuel ministered, oh, there was a number of people who received instant healings. One comes to mind, there was a certain lady here who had been coming to church for a long time, and she instantly felt a difference in her back pain. The things that she could not do, she began to do just right there and then in service. The healings of the body. You see, but in terms of various healings, I would love, love to spend a bit of time on two other categories of diseases that Jesus heals. It's in these two categories that Jesus is, because he is various, he is all kinds. One will refer to as inner healing, and the other will be the healing of the demonized, as we see in this text. You see, when I say inner healing, by this I mean healing of damaged emotions. I mean healing of bad memories that may have been caused by what you've done or by what others have done to us. You see, some of us have been wounded by others. 
who in many cases by our dearest family members, by our closest friends, you know, as close as our fathers. I remember last year, around Father's Day, oh no, I don't know how I got some inspiration or some idea to put, bring together those who did not have or those who had terrible relationships with their fathers. Oh, man. That was the best and worst day. One of the best and worst days of my life ever. Just hearing the accounts of ladies and guys talking about the relationship that they had with their dad, what their dad had done to them or what their dad had not done to them. Oh, man, the whole room, you know, gearing up for this event, it was, oh, man, you know, let's just do this, this creative, this sweet thing about, you know, you know, call it nightmares for my father. I had a creative thing, my little old gather. And then when people started sharing stories, bro, the crying, the crying, I meant old men, older men crying, older women crying, those who, you, those who even had good relationship with their dads, crying, just hearing these agonizing stories, how a father repeatedly beat daughter, said horrible words, oh, all kinds of stories that I cannot begin to recount that I do not even want to recollect. You see, some of us have gone for therapy and you've gotten some help, but you know deep down that you've been damaged. You know, you know, you see, you're not even, you are, you are somewhat even sure now that you're not sure if God can help you. And some of us cannot even afford therapy. And so, these arts have accumulated. They keep accumulating and accumulating and accumulating because, because of the pain that has been done to you. You find it so hard, so hard to forgive those that have hurt you. So the arts keep piling up. You see, and these accumulated arts may come out as uncontrollable feats of anger. They may come out as jealousy. They may come out as depression. Or in many cases, they can even lead to physical illnesses. Or like migraines that will not go. Oh, like Bowell syndromes that nothing can check cure. You don't even see the connection. See? And sometimes it is not what others have done to you. Sometimes it is what you yourself have done to others. I remember sometime last year or two years ago, oh, someone reached out to the church office and said, they wanted to speak with me. They wanted to speak with me. A lady, she just wanted to speak with me. I was wondering, why did she want to speak with me? And so I reached out, I got a number, and I called her. And she said, oh, she had watching us online. And because there was a particular sermon, whatever I was preaching, she just felt like she could talk to me. I said, oh, okay. And so she recounted her experience with um, a relationship with a, a boyfriend, or who used to be her boyfriend. And because of that relationship, she's a Christian, you know, Bible-believing, church-attended Christian. But she had this relationship with her boyfriend, and for some reason, she's done abortion. Maybe not even just once, I think about twice. And so, since then, she's found it so hard, so hard to believe that God can forgive her. She's found it so hard, she stopped going to church for about a year. Oh, she, she not even that, she kind of broke up the relationship, but each time the boyfriend comes back, she still opens up to him, feeling like, oh, man, Maybe I can make it right by having a right relationship with this guy. Maybe God can, maybe God can just overlook me. But even with that, she still has no, she could not find the healing that she was looking for. And so she breaks up 
and the guy goes, and the guy comes again. She breaks up, and the guy goes, and the guy comes again. She knows the Bible. She knows the scriptures. She's attended church, but she could not find this deep healing. She's been grieved. She's been emotionally damaged. And some of us, is some particular thing. Maybe you stole money from, from church, or maybe you were involved in one particular act, just one time when you practiced homosexuality, and since then, Oh, that has been stared indelibly into your mind, into your memory, and say, oh. So you keep accumulating this guilt over and over again. These accumulated guilt may be expressed in even physical or psychological illness. Oh, there are certain irrational fears or harmless or even ordinarily dangerous things, but have now become phobias for you. For they are a result of this fearful, forgotten episodes in your past. You see, the kinds of pain that I speak of this morning, they are more harmful, they are more destructive than even the original pain that caused them. Oh, these kind of pains are even more difficult to heal and find remedies for. But I come to you this morning. See what God says in Jeremiah 8, verse 21 to 23. It says, since my people are crushed, I am crushed. Hey, Jeremiah speaking. You see, I mourn and horror grips me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? But I tell you this morning, healing is a normal thing for the Son of God. Hey, this healing I speak of is not an elimination of the painful memories from your consciousness. Oh, it is Jesus taking away the sting, the power. Oh, it is Jesus healing the emotional damage that these painful experiences have caused. So that the experiences, so that the memories of these experiences no longer influence how you feel, how you think, how you act. So that these thoughts recede to the background as the knowledge and assurance of your identity in Christ comes forward. This healing that I speak of, this healing that is a normal thing for the Son of God causes a profound and fundamental change in you. This is the healing of deep internal turmoils. Healing that makes you receive the forgiveness for your grievous sins. Healing that makes you forgive those who have hurt you so that you can be free. Two weeks ago, to just find out how she was doing. I called her back and I said, hey, how are you? How, how's, how have you been? Oh, she's doing much better now. Oh, because after she shared it, we kind of prayed. You know, then I, don't, I cannot say that I really, really trusted in God for healing as much or close to what I do now. But we prayed and God answered. Oh, then I kept asking, are you sure? Are you sure? She said, I'm good, I'm good. But I, I, the call caught and I, I caught the call. Why is that? Eh, okay. Then... I could because of the way this lady was angry, and I called her back again. I said, "Are you sure there is nothing that you want healing for? Anything at all to see whether she would dig it out for somewhere and bring it out for?" So we see, there's nothing. There's nothing. I'm fine. I'm good now. I'm attending church now. I am. I'm well now. He said, eh, "But, but, eh, my mom, Sha, my mom, my mom. Eh, she went to the doctor. There's one surgery she has to. I said, let's pray for that." You see, the next is. The other category I want us to focus on is healing of the demonized. In verse 23 to 26, what do we see? We see a man possessed by an impure spirit 
and Jesus cast the spirit out. Oh, verse 32 to 34. Look what he says. He says, they brought many who were demon-possessed to Jesus and he drove them out. Look, I said at the start, I said, oh, they've, they've been different kind of oppressions by the, de- by the demons externally just in the course leading up to the service. And I, was, I feel like we'll be seeing that more and more as God is moving us to a different dimension, as God is opening up new vistas for our church in terms of the power of his spirit, we'll be experiencing such oppressions. As Tommy showed us in the summer last week, like Satan will attack you. You see, some of us think of stories of demons as belonging to the realm of personal flaws. Oh, we say things like, deep down, you know, we all have demons. We all have demons that we battle. We all battle something. Or we think it's for the uneducated. Or we think it's for the unsophisticated. We say, oh, they've come. All those poor people. Everything is a spirit. Spirit of this. Spirit of that. Spirit of this one. Spirit of that one. But Mark and Jesus says, nah, come off. Come off it. Come off your middle class Christianity. You see, I remember back then, when we, I used to pray in my church when I was in the battle. You know, we prayed and then we're bringing all these prayers about we're going to binding the demons, casting out demons. And we just, uh, I will switch it up. Oh, may I grow in my most holy faith? May I see, may I see things that Jesus wanted to see? May I, you know, I changed it. I always changing the prayer point. I was changing it. You see, and then one day, it was a particular service. I have not, it was a particular service I attended. You know, then I was, you know, in, in that service, there were, you know, for one day, they were like, they were beautiful sisters of God. Beautiful, I was not married at that time. I did not have any baby. There was nothing. They were beautiful sisters of God. Oh, I just, and so when does this, when does this service, what does this service, we invited them and said, hey, we just invite this, like, very powerful son too. So we don't, as we are singing worship now, you know, I see some of you now in church. I, I see some of you sometimes. You are in church and you are spotting somebody or you are scamping somebody. And so when does there, wow, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. And then the time for the minister to come, and then she came, Reverend Oyik is her name. And so she came out, and she just started just singing, and then she started praying, and then before, she has never prayed five minutes. That is her, the finest babes, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, the finest babes in the church just started manifesting. Hey! May I not pray? I, hey, I draw Bible, move back, and I don't my friend, I say, hey, that's one safe. Ah, that one safe. Ah. That one self, ah. <laughs> Man, from that day, nobody taught me how. Oh, nobody. Because, you see, demons were being cast out of these, of these men. They were brothers too. They were sisters. Demons were being cast out of them. And people were shrieking. They were making voices, all kinds of sounds. Just like Mark gives us the accounts here. You see, in, in verse 23 to 26, you see, demons can get a grip of someone's personality that makes the demonized person speak with voices and languages that are not their own. Oh, for instance, there have been women, or there have been men, there have been women who spoke like men. And after a demon is cast out, they do not speak that way again. Oh, in fact, there are certain negative, negative, dangerous, harmful voices that you hear constantly in your head, that you think, that you think, Oh, this constantly, despite all that you've tried, despite all that you've wanted to do to stop it, and you think those voices are yours. Hey, you need to ask Jesus, is this me or is this a demon? Oh, see what Jesus told Peter. Peter said, no, you can't do that kind of thing. No, you cannot die on the cross. Oh, no, you cannot go and Jesus said, 
get deep behind me what? Satan. It wasn't Peter speaking. It wasn't just some thoughts in Peter's mind. It was the devil speaking. You see, this man here in this text, this man confronted Jesus during his sermon. So someone who is severely demonized may have, you know, certain, this, you may see this, you may notice this, these characteristics. Someone who is severely demonized may, may have a strong opposition to Jesus. You have certain unexplainable trouble or discomfort around pastors. Oh, you have some kind of deep hatred for pastors. You have some kind of unexplainable anger for spiritual leaders. You have trouble coming into the church buildings. Or anytime the word of God is being preached, or anytime the power of God is moving in the room, you, can, you, you find it hard to stay there. You just want to leave. You can't explain why, but you don't want to be there. You just want to leave. Sometimes it's difficulty reading your Bible. It's not dyslexia. It's not any Bible. You just have difficulty reading your Bible. Stain. Sometimes it's intense, sinful habit that you find hard to change. You've prayed and done everything else. Oh, it could be chronic drug addictions. It could be chronic alcohol addictions. Oh, it's grievous sins. Look what the Bible says. in Luke 22 verse 3. Judah is going to betray Jesus. But look what he says. He says, for Satan entered Judas to commit such a grievous sin against Jesus. Oh, it could be wicked sexual fantasies that you can't even share with, your, with anyone. Guys, I want to be careful here. You see, even some, not all, even some psychological conditions are fully or partly demonic. Ah, Samuel, I mean Saul. Saul was anointed by the Holy Spirit. But in 1 Samuel 16, we see him, we see him insane. Paul, Saul displayed symptoms of insanity, of a mental imbalance. This was a man filled with the Spirit. You see, some physical illnesses can also be demonic. Ah, look at the woman in Luke 13 verse 10. He says that there was a particular woman who was crippled for 18 years. But he said that this woman was crippled by a spirit. It wasn't just crippled. It wasn't just, it wasn't just a medical condition. It was caused by a demon. And so you can have a fully medically diagnosed problem that is caused by supernatural force. Guys, you see, he notes again. Not everything that looks demonic is demonic. Oh, but some of us are oppressed and tormented by demons and have not sought or experienced healing or deliverance because we have ruled out the possibility that we might be under the influence of demons. But I tell you today that healing is a normal thing for what? For the Son of God. For he drove out many demons. He said he drove out what? Many demons. Ah, look how the demons called him. In verse 23, 26, he said, oh, oh, holy one of God. Demons know who Jesus is. They know who Jesus is. Look what he said. He said, have you come to destroy us? They know what Jesus can do. Demons believe in healing and deliverance. They believe in healing and deliverance even more than humans sometimes. Even more than Christians sometimes. Look what Jesus just said. Be quiet. Come out. 
And some of us are saying, but I'm a Christian. Can I be demonized? Can I be possessed? Oh, you see, verse 26, this man, you see, as Jesus began to teach, you see, this man entered the synagogue. He was in the church. He probably a member and he was demonized. Ephesians 6.10, what does he tell us? He said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Spiritual what? Wickedness in high places. Some of that wrestling is external. We're wrestling with demons that are oppressing us externally. But sometimes, some of that wrestling, we're wrestling demons that are oppressing us internally. You see, you should clear something quick. You see, the word possessed. And a man called... And John Thompson makes this clear. You see, the word possessed, as used in this text, or as you see in the text, or as it's common in church circles, is not what we think it is. Because you notice I've not been to possessed, I've been saying demonized, demonized. Why? Because today, when we say to possession, we often mean ownership. But Christians cannot, Christians can never be owned by demons. Oh, 1 Corinthians 6 by 10. He said, For we have been bought what? with a price. We can never be owned by demons. We are owned by God. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the dear son of God. We can never be owned by demons. We see in the original Greek text that this English Bible was translated from, you see the Greeks have several words for ownership. And so in this place, when they use possessed, they do not mean ownership. In fact, the real translation means to be vexed. It means to be troubled. It means to be demonized or tormented by demons, not owned. Think about it this way. You see, it's like, it's a John Thompson. This is an analogy by this pastor, John Thompson. You see, think about it this way. There is a house. The house is yours. Oh, the house is owned by you. But for some reason, you left the windows open. And because the windows are open, you have certain people come through the windows and they are saying it's staying in certain rooms of the house. Is the house owned by these quarters? No. The house is owned by you. But because you've let certain windows open, they are able to stay in certain rooms and exercise some influence, even though they do not own you. This is what it means for a Christian to be demonized. You see, what I'm saying is that you can be in a right relationship with God you can be elected, called, adopted, sealed, seated with Jesus in the heavenly places, as well as being in the right community with other believers under the very word of God, yet still be internally tormented by a demonic being, even though he does not own you. See, we are forgiven and born again in Christ, guys. I want to emphasize this. We are forgiven and born again in Christ. But if we choose to believe the lies of the world and yield to our flesh, we will live in sin. Oh, does that mean that you're not a Christian anymore? Oh, what about persecution? Christians are killed every day across the world for their faith. Does that make them non-Christians? No. Demonization works the same way. We have been delivered from the power of demons. They can never own us, yet we can be affected by them. See, but this leaves us a challenge because we're now sure. Is this sickness? Is this illness? Is this condition I'm going through? Is it as a result of an emotional damage? Is it just a physical condition? Or is it caused by demons? We are not always sure. But we should be forever asking the question. We should be in place of prayer asking. We should be seeking Jesus' face as we pray for healing. We should be asking, not, not can I be demonized as a Christian? Rather, we should be asking, why is this happening? 
Is this physical? Is this emotional? Is this psychological? Or is this a mix or two or three of all? And most importantly, Lord Jesus, how can I be healed? Oh, Lord Jesus, how can I receive healing? How can we see more and more of these healings in our church? Ah, look at verse 27. He says that in our text, he says that a new teaching with authority. Jesus even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. This is the Jesus that saved us. This is the Jesus that can deliver us. This is the Jesus that can heal us. You see, this brings me to my second point. Healing is a mark of his authority because we're going to pray, we're going to ask for God to show and to reveal and to heal and to cast out this morning. But also, one second thing quickly is that healing is a mark of his authority. Guys, for a long time, people have visited and become part of our church. You know, they become part of City Church. Um, and one thing they always say over and over again, people come to this church and say, man, the word, the word is here. Forget. Anything, they may not have anything else. <laughs> but that word, leave it. Leave it for them. You see, I remember in 2017, just around when we started, you know, Pastor Femi will preach. He used to preach what I call the New York Sermons. Because you guys think that, what does Tokyo know? Tokyo will quote him two or three C.S. Lewis quotes. But some will quote C.S. Lewis, will quote this one, will quote you will get them, you say, ah, ah, nah. Today, the word came and dwelt amongst us. Tokyo will just sprinkle some quotes on us. But some will buff us. We quote. And so that was why I was surprised. During the morning series, Last, last um, year, and then one couple came and visited, and they stopped coming. When I asked them, why do you stop coming? They say, ah, they say that the word is too strong. <laughs> May I say, eh? If you not came in 2017, go, you just die. Eh? <laughs> so you see, we are the deep teaching guys. We have the word. We have the word. Every day, you know, every Sunday at the welcome table, Someone will tell me, guys, man, you guys preach the gospel undiluted. I said, glory to Jesus. But I remember another couple, a couple of years ago, who came. And for a bit, they stopped coming. He said, but these guys, they didn't stop not just because the teaching was too strong. Look at, look at their words. Look at their words exactly. They say, we love the teaching. We love the teaching. But there is no power. You see, these people wanted to see more of healings. They wanted to see prophecies. They wanted to see words of knowledge. They wanted to see miracles. And they say, nah. And they stopped coming. Now, this is where some of us are getting anxious. You know, you've been observing City Church for a few weeks. You've been observing City Church for a few months. Some of you even say, I've been observing this church now for, for a few years, you know. You know. And I'm saying, hmm, hmm. <laughs> what is this church becoming? What is this church becoming? They're not saying, the person is not saying, most of the time when you talk to people, when I talk to people, they're not saying, what is my church becoming? No? They're not saying, what is our church becoming? They say, what is this, this church becoming? And so you add PFC, 
at the beginning of this year, say, we are making our biggest change yet as a church. Oh, you see, preacher, after someone, they come out and say, they have a word or two. Their illness going on, you are saying, ah. hmm. You saw the ad for today's sermon, and you say, healing is a normal thing. Ah. Ah. Hmm. See, church is becoming one of those churches. My goodness. But I have a word for you this morning. Let me encourage you this morning. We are becoming one of those churches. <laughs> Guys, we have become what we have become. Let me show you something in verse 22 of our text. Look what it says. It says, he taught as one with authority and not as teachers of the law. If he told me, he showed us that in the sermon, if he told me, he showed us that Jesus taught and preached about the kingdom of God. You see? And in a sense, if I break it down most simply, what this means is that Jesus taught as if he knew how everything is supposed to be. Oh, Jesus thought as if, you see, he thought, he thought like, that he thought about how everything can be the way it ought to be. Oh, the teachers of the law thought the way things used to be. Oh, they thought the way things are. They thought, you see, we are waiting for the day when things will be better. But when things, but we don't know when things will be better. We don't know how it will be better. We are not sure. You see, they didn't have hope. They didn't have power. They didn't have boldness. They did not have authority. Oh, but Jesus thought that he himself can make everything the way it ought to be. No man had ever thought like that before. And what was the response? See, the people were amazed. They said, this is wonderful. Oh, there is word here. There's word. I see word. Look at how he's applying C.S. Lewis quotes. Chinua Chimi Proverbs. Word. You see, but if I was there, you know what I'd be thinking? If, those, if that couple was dead, you know what I'd be thinking? They'll be saying, hmm, I see, there's word. But can he bring about the word that he speaks of? Ah, this thing that he's saying that it should be like this, it should be like that. Can he bring about, can he make it happen for real? Ah, because if Jesus cannot, then he's just an imposter. Because if Jesus cannot, then he's just a scammer. Then if Jesus cannot, then he's just a corrupt politician swindling us with sweet manifestos that cannot be verified. So look again. Look again. Look again. Something else amazed these people. Something else. In verse 25 to 27, look at what he says. Oh, be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. Come out of him. Let's continue. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people what were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching. And with what authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. Guys, they said this man, he speaks, ah, he's like he's the real deal. Oh, for Jesus even said in Matthew 12, 28, he says that if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Oh, they were, look at the point. They were amazed at his teaching, yes. And they were also what? Amazed at his what? Healing. It is not either or. It is both and. Guys, healing is supposed to be a normal thing in our church. Normal. 
Oh, James 5, verse 14 to 16. Look what he says. He said, when you guys gather, when you gather, when you gather, he said, you should ask, is anyone among you sick? Like when you gather on the Sunday like this, you should not ask here. Anybody sick here? Anybody, anybody feeling somehow? Anybody under any kind of oppression? Or anybody feeling that they are demonized? Is any one of you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will do what? Will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Normal. You see, when Jesus appointed his disciples, oh, you see the Mark 3, 14 to 15. Ah, in Matthew 10, 5 to 15, Jesus, he says, he appointed his disciples to be with him. So that what? So that they may go and preach the word and do what? And have the authority to drive out demons. It is normal. Oh, I want to do mission. I want to teach the gospel. I want to win unbelievers. Jesus is saying, yes, and heal the sick and cast out demons. Oh, you're looking for a church. I'm looking for a church. Church search. Oh, people come ask. So, you know, so this church, sometimes I welcome to be happens. So this church, I see that you guys kind of like have community. You have community. Check. Um, what about the poor? Like you guys have what you do for poor people and for this. Oh, okay. Check. People ask them. Um, you guys pray. Okay. Check. This one looking for a church. You know, any, all of us have done it. We've done it. I've done it before. What about uh-huh, my children? We've not gone to church because we've not found a church that has like good kids ministry. Kids ministry. Oh, check. Teaching. Oh, of course. Solid. Hmm. Do you hear people ask? Oh, this church, do they heal the sick? Oh, this church, do they raise the dead? Oh, in this church, please, I want to know before I come. Do they cast out demons? Oh, but the people ask, oh, no, what does your church believe when it comes to women pastors? Oh, what does your church believe when it comes to homosexuality? These are good. What does the church believe when it comes to tithes? This is important. Oh, but... But Jesus is saying that, oh, you should be asking, can this church teach me to preach the gospel? Yes. But can this church teach me to heal the sick? Can this church teach me to raise the dead? Can this church teach me to cast out demons? I'm not trying to be weird. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm saying this is scary. I mean, no. I'm saying that Jesus is not calling us to be weird, but Jesus is not calling us to be comfortable. Oh, you think I'm not scared? Oh, you think I was not scared? Oh, you see, I have to ask myself over and over again repeatedly. Ah, and my faith in preaching this, in talking about this, in, in wanting and desiring this kind of life. Oh, am I fearful? Am I more fearful of the consequences of embarrassment? Or am I more fearful of the consequences of disobeying God? Because guys, I can't lie. I can't lie. Healing is complicated. It is complicated. You see, if I preach a bad word, as I've preached several times before, in fact, the last time I preached on healing, they delete part of my sermon. <laughs> in this church. It's now that Pastor Mina left. Because, Pastor Mina gave the order for them to delete part of it. Because I spewed heresy in that sermon. Because the part where I spewed heresy, you cannot find it. Glory be to God. But, Nobody walked away. People didn't know. Maybe one or two or three people walked away. They did not tell us after the heretical things that I delivered. But it did not, does not, nobody leaves a church really or moves after 
a bad word is preached. But you see, when it comes to healing, this is why it's complicated. When you pray for healing and you don't get an answer, ah, many of us, many of us have, many people have walked away from the church. Many people have walked away from Jesus. Ah, the rest of us that stay, we've defined the God that we pray to. We hold on to a lesser version of God. Oh, we hold on to a version of God that cannot disappoint us. We become people who expect too little of God. Guys, I understand. You see, I understand that healing doesn't always happen. And we do not always receive healing. Because yes, the kingdom of God has come, but it hasn't fully come. Ah, with the death and resurrection of Christ, things have started to become the way they ought to be, but everything is not yet the way they ought to be. Ah, this is why. You see, because I know that even when you get healed of a major illness today, and you enjoy good health all the days of your life, most likely one day, if Jesus starts is coming, you'll see die. Because we know that Lazarus, though he was raised from the dead, he still died in the tomb. We know that though blind Bartimaeus' eyes were open, one day he died and his eyes could never open again. We know that the man who was paralytic and was raised, raised up by Jesus, there was a day that came that that man could not stand up again. We know. But a day is coming, brothers and sisters. This day is coming, friends. When Christ will heal all sicknesses, when Christ will wipe away every tear, when Satan will be thrown into the lake of burning sulfur and will no longer be able to torment us again, that day is sure. So does Jesus heal? Yes. Does God heal? Yes. Does he want to heal? Yes. Sometimes he heals now and sometimes he heals later, but he always heals. see until then as we live in this in between my conviction is that Jesus wants to heal many more people than we think that we have not seen more that we have not seen more of healing in our midst because we've not practiced it as much that we've not practiced as much as we've practiced community or justice ah, that we can record many more healings in our church and we are going to record many more healings in our church even as we make this shift Guys, if God is going to take us to where he wants us to go, if we are to become a gospel-centered church in word and deed, we will have to grow in all regards. Oh, we must be preaching the word, healing the sick, and casting out demons. Oh, let me rush as I, as I wrap this up. You see, my next one, very short. You see, why? You see, because this healing, though, is a mark of Jesus' authority. This healing is also something that advances the kingdom. Ah, in verse 31, he says, the fever left Peter's mother-in-law and she began to wait on them. You see, when illness become more common in our church, people are freed up for the service of the kingdom. Oh, if you have chronic back pain, it will be hard for you to serve in the setup and tear down team. Oh, or in the ushering team. Or maybe in the welcome team. Ah, if you carry deep emotional damage, you won't be able to form certain kingdom-centered friendships. Certain relationships, whether at church or at home. Because you will be withdrawing. Because you won't trust people. Because you'll be afraid of the odds of the past that might repeat themselves. If you are tormented by demons, how can you cast out demons? In verse 28, we see another dimension of this kingdom advances. 
He said, after healing the demonized man, he said, news, news about Jesus spread quickly. Oh, news about Jesus spread quickly. Ah, Jesus uses, Jesus uses healings to spread the gospel, to advance the kingdom. You see, in this year of inside out, we want to see more of this. Not just tell people, come to my church. You will hear the word. The word of good. The word is good. No, but you also say, are you sick? Are you sick? Come, we will pray for you. God can heal you in my church. Or you will tell them, no. What is wrong with you, brother? What is wrong with you, neighbor? What is wrong with you, colleague? Let us pray. Jesus can heal you. You see, for some people, it is news of your own healing that will draw them to Christ. Nothing else will. You see, that is how God has just ordained it for some. Oh, for some of us, it is, it is the healing of those people you've been preaching to that will bring them to Christ. Nothing else will. Until they see the authority of Jesus at work in their bodies, in their minds, in their souls, in their homes, they will not submit to the authority of Jesus in his teaching, no matter how powerful or polished it is. So how then do we receive this healing? How then do we experience this healing? Because what I speak of is both for your Harvard-trained boss and is also for your security guard. All, all of them. You see, the final thing is this, that healing should be prayed for in his name. Healing should be prayed for in his name. I saw this Twitter thread of someone who announced that he had brain cancer. And I kept reading through Oh, I just keep seeing all these popular overused statements. And people are just replying, Oh, wishing you a speedy recovery. Oh, may God perfect your healing. Hey, get well soon. And I was wondering, three things came to my mind. I said, how many of these people genuinely feel this guy's pain? How many of them genuinely care about this guy getting well? Most importantly, how many of these people actually asked and prayed for God to heal this guy. Especially the ones that said, May God perfect your healing. It's 30. Look at, look at the approach. Look how we receive healing. Look how we receive healing. This is how we're going to pray for healing today. Look at verse 30. He said, As Jesus entered into the home of Peter, he said, They immediately did what? They immediately did what? They immediately told Jesus about her. Immediately. Immediately. There's a sense of urgency. Oh, there is a desire to see this woman healed. There is empathy for her. There is a trust displayed here in Jesus' ability and power and eagerness to heal. Guys, just pointers. Oh, this morning, as many of us I feel like when you see the sick and you don't have empathy towards them, when you see the sick and there's no desire in you to see them heal, I want us to ask, to ask God for empathy. That you have an empathy to see the sick heal, to see the to, to see the, the sick get well. Oh, that you would desire to see people heal, that you believe that it's Jesus' desire to heal. I want us to pray for the desire this morning. Oh, I want you to start. Oh, by even praying for your own healing, pray for small things. Oh, pray for small things. This woman was healed of fever. Oh, there is nothing too small for healing. There is no such thing as small healing. Pray for headache. Ah, if you can't trust God to heal headache, how can you ask God to heal cancer? Oh, and if God cares about cancer, why would he not heal headache? 
Oh, I don't want to get my hopes up again. I have accepted it. Oh, I can live with it. God is working with me through my suffering. How do you know? How do you know that this is not something that God wants me to bear and grow through? How do you know? Hey, I'll show you an example. For Paul spoke of his stone, of this illness that he had. How did Paul know it's something that he ought to bear? He said, Paul asked God how many times? Three times. And God would not take it away. And God has to tell him, hey, don't pray about this anymore. My grace is sufficient for you. So how come you have decided to relax and say, this is my cross when you have not even prayed for healing at all? You only have that right until you have prayed repeatedly and said, God, would you take this from me? And then if he, if he tells you, yes, this is something to be here, then you know. Guys, we must not give up easily on praying for healing. How long should I pray for healing? Ha! Ah, when you pray for someone who is not healed, should I stop? Oh, how long should I pray? See, in Mark 8, verse 22, 25, Jesus prayed for one guy. The guy was blind. He prayed for him. He said, do you see now? He said, eh, something like that. I can see people who actually say, I'll come here again. He prayed for him again, twice. If Jesus, the Son of God, can pray for somebody twice, then you can pray for somebody 500 times. Oh, we have this ideology that healing must be instant. No, healing is not always instant. Look at Jesus. You can pray for someone over and over again. Sometimes healing happens after a while, after a period of months. Sometimes over the years. But healing is happening. Pray, pray, pray. Even for those with gifts of healing, you know they have gifts of healing. Oh, sometimes that gift is not kindled until after you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and over again. John Wimber, one of the people God has used in these recent times, hey, to bring to stir this ministry of healing in the church. Ah, he said, he, people ask him, How do you find this gift? How does this gift happen? He said, First thing first, forget about everything. First thing, first go and pray for healing 1,000 times. Then you have started. Oh, guys, those who consistently pray for the sick anticipate healing. They grow in compassion for the sick more. Right? See, we need to pray more because sometimes the cause of the sickness may be emotional. It may be psychological. It may be demonic. And so if we don't pray over and over again, sometimes God will not reveal to us the root cause of the sickness. God will not show somebody in a dream. God may not tell his servant to say, hey, this is the word that you need to bring you out of healing. God, we must be prayerful, we must fast because Jesus says this kind, some kind of demons cannot come out except by prayer and fasting. Ah, so Dami, are you saying, oh, we should forget about hospitals? Are you saying we should forget about therapists? No, 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 no. Healing can never replace medicine. Ah, because sometimes they may help us pinpoint the problem. They may sometimes pinpoint the extent and the nature of the problem, which now makes our prayer more effective. Oh, Psalm 57 verse 1 is always my reminder in this. Ah, David was being chased by Saul all around and all around the place. And then David went to hide in a cave. And David was in this cave. But look at what David prayed. David said, have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until disaster is past. David was hiding in the cave, but his refuge was not in the cave. His refuge was in the protection that only God can bring. So why you use medicine? 
Your trust is not in the medicine. Your trust is not in the doctor's words. Your trust is in the God that can bring healing by his supernatural force and by through the work of the doctor. Guys, we place hands on our shoulder. You place hands on the path. Oh, the place so far is appropriate. And you say, oh, how should I pray? Ah, you pray in the name of Jesus, be healed. It's as simple as that. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, stomach, be healed. In the name of Jesus, leg, be healed. In the name of Jesus, cancer, disappear. In the name of Jesus, back in, go. That is how Jesus prayed. Jesus did not pray so much prayers. Oh, Jesus said, come. Jesus said, get out. Jesus said, leave. Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. So we pray as Jesus prayed. In Jesus' name, be healed. Guys, lastly, I know this is the most complicated of what I've said when it comes to the demonic. When it comes to the demonic, you see, authority is a thing. Ah, look at the guy. You look at the man that was feeling pure spirit. As you saw Jesus, hey, he knew who the only one was. Ah, you see, but we have authority as believers by ourselves. Oh, the Bible says resist the devil and he can flee. But sometimes demons recognize authority. They recognize, for instance, pastoral authority. For the demon told the sons of Sapphire, he says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. They recognize pastoral authority. Like James 5 said, he said, if anyone's sick among you, let them bring them to the elders and they will gather around them. They will anoint them. Oh, and the sickness will leave. Sometimes the pastoral authority is necessary for demons to leave. And finally, God has deposited certain gifts in this church. I know, I am sure that God has given some in this church the gifts of healing. But because we've not practiced as much, because we've not demonstrated as much for you, you've not able to walk in that gift. So I'm praying that from this morning, hey, yo, from this morning, from this service, that those gifts will come to you, begin to go into oppression. You begin to come into oppression in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you found this sermon helpful, we hope you join us in the mission of renewing Lagos with the gospel by sharing it, rating this podcast and following us. These actions help us reach more people with the gospel. You can also connect with us on various social media platforms via the handle at City Church Lagos. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. <laughs>